When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back for another week. It's Doug and Shahan. We greatly appreciate you guys joining us. Guess what we're going to do this week? We are going to do our 12-team playoff. Kind of thinking like where it is now, but like what we think it would be at the end of the year. You know, it, it's coming. We know it's coming. We're not 100% sure when it's coming. But the first college football playoff rankings will be released next week. I actually think on this show in a week, next Wednesday, we will spend a big chunk of it reacting to the committee's first rankings. Because, Shahan, those those first rankings are the second most valuable. I mean, the only ones that matter are the last ones. But the first ones are the initial glimpse into how the committee is thinking about things. And then... They apply those same sort of standards the rest of the year, but you'll get a sense of like what they think of the Bama loss at Tennessee. And you'll get, a, you know, get a sense of what they think of the Oregon loss to Georgia and how they, you know, what they really think of Tennessee before the Georgia game. Can Tennessee, you'll get a real good sense from the committee. I always look forward to those first rankings because of that. No, I think they're very valuable because of that, you know, I mean, it just gets you kind of in the mindset, kind of in the framework of how they view these teams. Because remember, we are viewing these teams in many cases through the lens of how they were ranked in the preseason and what wins they picked up over teams that might not be good anymore. So I, I think that's one of the cool things about the timing of how the committee does it, how they wait until after nine weeks or so, so that they're able to kind of have a little bit of a snapshot. And so, no, I think that this first ranking is usually the most interesting and there's going to be a lot of focus on the top. I, I think the middle and bottom is probably even more interesting. Because we know it might be a hootenanny for the fourth spot by the time we get to the end. And we're going to get a sense of, okay, does it does it feel like, you know, the Big Ten could get into, the SEC could get into, is, you know, the, the Big 12 champ in great position. Man, they really respect Oklahoma State or whatever. So I do think that's going to be really important. And we will dig into that hard a week from now. But on this show, like we always do. And listen, by the way, you know, I, we've always said, I like the AP poll. I like all that stuff. You have to have context early in the year, you know. We're here for you up until the, the committee, like we're your committee of two. That's how we like to think of it. Shahan and I never have, we still haven't met in person. So that's different. But if somebody would pay for us to fly to each other, we would get in a, in a hotel banquet room and hang out, right? And be a committee, a committee of two. If we had a cover band, that committee of two would be the name of our band. <laughs> I suppose that's true. I mean, what is this podcast if not just being a cover band? God, maybe this podcast should be called Committee of Two. Is that a better name? <laughs> I don't think so. It wouldn't have made the playoff committee so mad early on <laughs> when we were called the playoff show. Committee of Two. That does sound like, that sounds like, a, I, well, I think that would be like a Tears for Fears cover band. I hate <laughs> Tears for Fears. Committee of Two. Why do you hate Tears for Fears? I hate them. I hated them then, and I hate them now. They're so like, ooh, 
they're so yeah. moody. A lot of the music like in the eighties was yes. <laughs> and now there's this really good new ride at Disney World, and it plays it plays like seven different songs while you ride this like kind of space roller coaster. And it's just randomly assigned what you get. And my family and I, when we were there this summer, we wrote it twice. And we got the Tears for Fears song both times. And my kids were like, I love this song. And I was like, shut your mouth. You don't like Tears for Fears. But if that's what the people want, Committee of Two, Tears for Fears cover band. Okay, let's kick somebody out because that's what we like to do here. We had 10 teams in our playoff discussion a week ago. You guys know it by now. The only team that lost last week was UCLA. But that means we have three one-loss teams in our mix right now. Still, we have Oklahoma State, we have USC, who they had lost the week before, but they survived because Penn State got kicked out. We only kick out one team a week. And also, you know, they're kind of still in it. But UCLA is the team that lost fresh. So those are the teams, Shahan, that I put out to our Twitter followers at CFB Survivor Show. Who do you want to kick out? Because we had six winners, three teams that were off, and UCLA as the team that lost. 66% say boot UCLA for their loss to Oregon. 19% Oklahoma State. 15% USC. Who do you think should be kicked out, Shahan? Again, UCLA was undefeated before going and losing to Oregon. Yeah, I, I think it has to be UCLA. The way that they lost was just pretty dominant, right? I mean, 45 to 30, that's a, a big factor for me. You look at the other two losses, right? The USC loss was literally a two-point conversion to to go win the game. Uh, and when you look at Oklahoma State, similar sort of deal, right? It was a double overtime game against an undefeated TCU. So I, I think that I, I think that right now, UCLA is the one that I'd kick out. I will say, I don't think that they are per se fully out. You know, I think they could definitely make a resurgence uh, late in the year, potentially. Uh, they still have that game against USC that's probably going to be a little bit of a play-in game for the Pac-12 championship game, potentially. So their season's not over, but out of these three, I think that this is clearly the team that doesn't belong right now. I, I saw some coverage. I even maybe think it was my my old pal Ben Bolch from the LA Times who covers UCLA that like maybe UCLA's season frankly didn't change that much right that now I think the one thing of it is undefeated Pac-12 champ is in the playoff right I mean as much as like oh one lost Pac-12 champ eh, that's certainly not a guarantee you might miss out so from that standpoint that does matter but in terms of winning the Pac-12 you know they still kind of are in control of their own destiny. And they have a pretty easy schedule other than that USC game on November 19th. Stanford, Arizona State, Arizona before USC, then Cal after that. They certainly should win those four other games. So they're not dead and you can earn your way back in. They're just out for now. I agree. We're not going to rank them in our top 10 anymore because when you try to thinly slice it with these one loss teams, they just aren't quite as impressive. Yeah, I mean, you really start getting down to, you know, to brass tacks here a little bit where all of a sudden you're in a position where you have all these teams that uh, you have a lot of deserving teams in this discussion right now, frankly. Right. I mean, you have a lot of teams that have a chance to make the playoff, that have a path to the playoff. We don't have very many, you know insert whatever team you want we don't have unfortunately a BYU at this point right where where it just looks like they don't belong all these teams look like they belong but we got to kick one out and I will say this is why this this 12 team playoff thing we're going to do on this show is interesting I as we all know like I've really come around on the 12 team playoff it's what I, I was used to be a four team guy and then like I, I really zeroed in on the 12 team and that's what they're doing um, but also in doing this exercise I was like oh I know exactly what this is going to be every year like, oh, I didn't I thought it was like, oh, what's gonna be wide open is give everybody a chance. It's like actually 
it's just going to be the same teams or the same type of teams every year, just like different tiers of them. So anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But like, yes, UCLA is still alive. And by the way, like we still have USC in the discussion. They're one lost Pac-12 team. And guess what? We're going to ask if we should let somebody in, as we also do every week. And I put that out. I put out three teams to the loyal Twitter followers this week, Shahan. Let's start with the team that got 7.8% yes votes. I did ask about 6-1 and one North Carolina. Only losses to Notre Dame. 92.2% no on this. And I, of course, I'm not surprised by that. I don't know that USC is going to, uh, that UNC, excuse me, is going to work its way in to this discussion any time before an ACC championship game showdown with Clemson. But I think depending how stuff shakes out, I think a one-loss North Carolina team that beats Clemson in the ACC title game could make the playoff far from a guarantee. They'd probably need some help, right? Depends how the SEC shakes out and they maybe wouldn't have many great wins in there. And people aren't incredibly respecting Clemson right now, even though they're undefeated. But I think they certainly have a path. You can see how it could happen. And I think as long as Drake May is your quarterback, you have a at least a puncher's chance of it happening. So I get why the Twitter followers don't want him in, but I think we got to keep an eye on him at least a little bit. They're a fun team. You know, I, I think that the funny thing about North Carolina is that they're one of those teams, kind of like Illinois we talked about last week, where it's just like, man, this team's fun. This team's good. I, I almost hate having to frame them as being part of the playoff discussion because I feel like that's unfair to them. But, you know, look, they're 6-1 and one right now, like you said. Uh, that Notre Dame game, honestly, in hindsight, still feels very strange. You know, they, they definitely could be 7-0. and oh. Uh, they're going to have a chance to get into the discussion. They go on their own and play Wake Forest on November 12th. That's going to be a huge game. If they win that game, I think we can seriously have a conversation about them, but I'm not there yet. Yeah. Sign me up for Drake May, Sam Hartman on November 12th. Oof. There's going to be a lot of bet the over in that game. Yeah, for real. That's uh, that's going to be good, but not yet for North Carolina. That's OK. I think I put out Illinois last week and we're putting them out again. Do you want them? I don't know. Maybe I think it got on. I don't know if we got on a, an Illinois Twitter account. We got about three times as many votes from the Illinois question as we did on the uh, Oregon yet to come or North Carolina question. 28.5% yes for Illinois. So creeping up 71.5% no. Um, it's, I think same. I guess we did have this discussion already. But again, the they have a way they're going about it. And this is going to come down to can they win the big 10 championship? But I will tell you when we were doing the 12 team exercise, like a team like Illinois, for instance, in a 12 team playoff world becomes really interesting because all of a sudden you are punching each other in the face for the 11 spot and it could go a million different ways and taking care of business, how you lose when you lose to another playoff team is going to factor in a lot, I think to the 12 team discussion. So I get the Twitter people saying no to Illinois right now, but this is the exact kind of team that is going to be, I think, quadruply more interesting in the 12 team world. No, I, I agree with that for sure. And I think, look, Illinois is a really good team. And the one thing that maybe you feel a little good about is the fact that I, I know the final score, Ohio state looked a little shaky this week. Like that's the big thing. The only thing that you're looking at right now, if you're Illinois and trying to make a playoff case is, is it physically possible to beat Ohio state or Michigan? 
So far, I still think the answer is no. But, like, you know, maybe you take that as some small positive that, hey, you know, this offense needs some. I, I don't know. You know, obviously, you got to kind of talk yourself into it. Obviously, I'm still a no. There's a lot of ideas, I think, around Ohio State because Notre Dame did it in the first game of the year is like limit possessions. And Iowa did not limit possessions because Iowa gave Ohio State a bunch of short fields and it was a weird game. And it's one of those things where the general vibe of like, I don't know what's up with Ohio State. And then they scored 54. It's like, okay, well, you, you kind of got to parse it a little bit. But like, can Illinois long drives limit? Ohio State on the field, Illinois has a very highly ranked defense, as we've covered a million times. They're ranked first in a lot of different things statistically. That's what you have to try to do. Notre Dame did it kind of successfully in the opener. Iowa couldn't do it because their offense is so terrible, and Ohio State cracked them open in the third quarter. But it, but Illinois might be able to do a version of that more successfully than Notre Dame did. And then, by the way, Illinois-Michigan – November 19th, the week before Ohio State, Michigan, Illinois has a real chance to factor into the playoff race because how they play Michigan, what they do to Michigan, if they if Michigan and Illinois beat each other up at all before the Ohio State, Michigan game, we know how this goes. A lot of times in the SEC, Shahan, before the last rivalry weekend of the year, a lot of the SEC teams, that's when they play. FCS schools and like the Big Ten doesn't do that. And there have been times in the past 2015 when Ohio State as the defending national champ lost to Michigan State. That was the week before the Michigan game, right? That you're kind of like there's a little bit of look ahead stuff. There's a little bit of emotional stuff. And then there's like the physical toll of like, you know, what's coming in your rivalry game for everybody, whether it's the Egg Bowl or or the Iron Bowl or Ohio State, Michigan or anybody else, you know what's coming. And then you still have to play a good opponent the week before Michigan, Illinois, the week before Illinois doesn't even have to beat Michigan to play a real role in that. So Illinois has a very interesting season ahead yet. Yeah, yeah. I do have to ask uh, off this game, um, when you were driving in your car on Sunday, did you think about the fact that you could be publicly embarrassing your son? Or uh, what were you thinking when you were driving in your car on Sunday? <laughs> I, I will tell you what I was thinking was I'm going to get wings after the game. And then I'm going to go home and podcast. And I was thinking to myself, I do 10 podcasts a week about college football. How could my life be any better? What a <laughs> life I lead. What a world I live in. I'm flying high. I'm on top of the world. And I don't, I don't even understand the reference. What does that mean when I'm driving <laughs> could be in anything. my car? Yeah, I don't know. Could be, yeah, it could be, be anything. anything. I got, I drove past, I don't know if this is a national thing, but there's an Arby's in my town that's next to a McDonald's and Arby's on a sign had no McFibs only real ribs and they're taking a shot at McDonald's, which is shares a parking lot with Arby's. So I chose, <laughs> I tweeted that Arby's chose violence today and I tagged Arby's in it. And then Arby's like responded to my tweet with a little like winky eye emoji. So I'm getting responses from Arby's on Twitter. What could be better in my life? Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, I, we can just wrap it up by saying, um, you know, I think that it's very important to remember that the University of Iowa, I'm sure, has a great career development program. You can explore a lot of different options. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd advise anybody who's considering other career choices to maybe uh, to maybe take advantage of it. Yeah, we could do like what if we did like a version of like undercover boss 
right? And it was called Undercover Coach. And they came on the podcast and acted like they were just like a regular person, like a sports writer, you know, like they had switched jobs with somebody. And then they came on and they were just like, hey, college football. I love talking about college football. And then we'd be like, what? You're a coach. And it would be a big reveal and we'd all be friends. Uh, and maybe we can do the opposite. We can uh, we can have an undercover podcaster and see if they can have fewer than five turnovers. <laughs> It's like, hey, hey, coach, that new offensive coordinator really dialed it up today. Oh, it was Shahan J. Haraja. a podcaster. <laughs> wow. And we, we would just sprinkle it through the country. And it's like, what? Ari Wasserman's calling plays for Nebraska today? What? Andy Staples called plays for North Carolina today? Oh, my gosh. People would absolutely. Dan Wetzel? The Oklahoma defense it. is fixed. Wait a minute. That was Brock Heward? <laughs> Oh, man. And then the best thing would be at the end of it, we'd all be friends because the coaches would understand us. We would understand the coaches. I think this is for the good of the sport. And it's what more most importantly, because this is all we care about. It's all about the fans. It's what the fans want. Coaches and podcasters united as one. Finally. All right. So Illinois, not yet. Illinois, by the way, uh, also won among their wins this year, University of Iowa. Illinois, not in yet. And now we get to the team that we've been dancing around for many weeks, and it's Oregon. Do you want Oregon in the playoff mix? 45% no, 55% yes. They beat UCLA, Shahan. Should they slide right into UCLA's spot? I am impressed with Oregon. I am. I, I counted them out after the first game of the year i talked at length about the bo nix experience and how i'm not a big fan of it but i think that the way that they've structured their team so far this season has been really impressive you know they're running the ball at a, at a very high level right now over six yards per carry as a team uh and, and you look at what they've done over the past couple weeks it, it's impressive right it's impressive now Again, look, they, they still, I think, are not the most proven team, but they're going to play Utah later in the year. They're going to play UCLA, or they played UCLA this past week and look dominant against them. I, I think I'm willing at this point to believe that this is real, that this is real, and Oregon might be the best team in the Pac-12. So I did a little Bo Nix math for you because Great. I know you love the experience. I took out the Georgia game at the start of the year, the 49-3 loss, no touchdowns, two picks, 56.8% completions. And then I took out the Eastern Washington game the next week, five touchdowns, 85% completions against no overmatched team. They score 70. So take out the worst game, take out the best game against a lower level competition. Take out the best game against the best competition. And it's the last five games, right? Last five games, 272 passing yards per game, 65 rushing yards per game, 9.4 yards per attempt, which is pretty good, 72% completions, 12 touchdowns, one interception. Like the 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 sort of reputation that Bo Nix is up and he's down and he you love him and then oh no. And he did even have what was the game? Was it the Washington State game? Where it was like he I think his one pick was a pick six, like in at the goal line, basically, that Washington State ran back for a touchdown, and like it felt like in the moment that was gonna cost Oregon the game, and you felt like I can't believe that just happened, except I absolutely can believe it happened because it's part of the Bo Nix experience. It might be like the only bad play he's made in the last five games. 
But it like in the moment, it was like, oh, here we go again. And it's like, no, we're not going there again. That was a blip. That was not what he's doing now. And if that's the case, and I think maybe Dan Lanning is kind of good at this as a first-year head coach. This And this is the formula, Shahan, for, for a lot of this stuff. You have a coach who builds up talent, which is what Mario Cristobal did. And then a lot of times what happens is like a coach you can recruit and can't get you over the top coaching. You fire that guy and then you bring in a better football coach and you have now Mario Cristobal didn't get fired, but still the idea that you have a coach who comes in and coaches up the talent that somebody else left him. We can run through the modern history of college football. That's how Jim Trestle partially won his first title at Ohio State with a bunch of guys John Cooper recruited. Right. Because John Cooper could, could do the one thing, but couldn't get over the top of the other thing. Now, Trestle had a lot of good players there. He recruited Mr. Claret and all those things like Urban Meyer came in and won with Ron Zook talent at Florida initially. Right. Bob Stoops and uh, and uh, yeah. And John Blake, you know, same sort of deal. They won a year, too. Not so seriously. there, there yeah. are <laughs> there are moments of this. Right. So I'm not saying that the Oregon's going to win the national title, but. If you get sort of the, and I'm not saying that Dan Landing can't recruit, and I'm not saying that Mario Cristobal can't coach. Although Mario Cristobal told everybody, "Stop saying my team was going to be good at Miami." Who could have expected that? Who could have? Who thought that they were going to be good at football? But I will say, do you remember a couple of years ago, Joe Burrow uh, played that game against UCF, and he just got like hit upside the head uh, in that game, and then in the second half, just absolutely dominated, and then has just been one of the best players ever since then. Do you remember that? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Did that happen at some point in Oregon's game against Washington State? Because I, I like ever since that game, right? Since that pick six, he's been awesome. Because because we watched that uh, that Washington State game and we're like, oh my gosh, here we go again. They're blowing it. Yep. And then they scored three touchdowns in the last four minutes of the game, and all of a sudden, Bo Nix is awesome all the time. I, I, it's not something I expected. And it is one of the most difficult things in sports, I think, Shahan, when a person has a track record. And listen, to Bo Nix's credit, he has played a lot of college football. And when you don't want to get fooled by the present because you're like, I know this guy's track record, but also you don't want to be beholden to the past, especially when something has changed, like, I don't know, transferring schools. And you don't want to just not believe in a guy because he didn't do it before. I think Bo Nix is a perfect illustration of this, of you're not sure exactly what to believe, but you have to look at the way he has played and this team has played the last five weeks. Cal, Colorado, Washington, the next three weeks before the big Utah game, and then the end of the year, Oregon State, Oregon is going to be awesome because Oregon State is going to be competitive as heck in that game. But if you, if they did not play Georgia, if they had played Montana State week one instead of Georgia, I think Oregon would be third in the country right now. Like it'd be like Georgia, Ohio State. And then it'd be like, oh, probably like Oregon, like ahead of Clemson, maybe ahead of like ahead of Tennessee, maybe, maybe like that's where they would be. And instead they've been having to fight back from this Georgia loss. But I do think both with us and we're putting them in. We both agree here with the with the Twitter followers. But I think with us and I think with the committee, we started this college football playoff with Ohio State and the albatross of that Virginia Tech loss in the first year of the playoff around their neck. I'm not sure that this Georgia loss will hang the same way on Oregon. Now, it's a much more dominating defeat. They got blown off the field. 
But I don't know if it's that we've come to accept like a bad game is more palatable or is it just that we accept that, man, Georgia, what are you going to do? And that would happen to a lot of teams. But I, I don't I don't think it's a killer for Oregon with the committee when we see him in a week. Yeah, I, I think if I'm a committee member, I'm considering the fact that Dan Lanning was coaching his first game as a head coach and that this was just not a team that I don't want to say was prepared, but you know, you you get punched in the face. Right. And I think that you look at the way that they've responded clearly in terms of pure quality, they're not 49 to three worse than Georgia. I don't think anybody would make that argument. And, you know, it's just kind of a thing that happened right now. Now, again, if you're in a situation where Oregon and Georgia are duking it out for a four spot, it's going to come up, right? It's going to come up. But I, I think that at the same time, it is not a killer for Oregon at this point. I think that they've done enough. I think they've showed enough. Uh, again, I mean, I, I really do want to emphasize that they are very balanced offensively. One of the things, hell, maybe maybe this is a story idea, uh, is, is that, you know, you look at these quarterbacks who have transferred, uh, Adrian Martinez and Bo Nix kind of chief among them. These are these guys of chaos, right? Uh, people who have screwed their teams in so many games. Well, you kind of put them in a, in a structured situation. It changes everything. Right. It changes everything where all of a sudden, you know, Bo Nix is only asked to go out and make plays that he can make. He's not asked to save the day. Adrian Martinez isn't asked to save the day. And you look when there is structure there, when you get out of dysfunctional systems at Nebraska and at Auburn, all of a sudden it it just works a little different. So they're in. They deserve to be in. It'll be one of the more interesting things to look at uh, with the committee a week from now. They are at Cal this week, and again, it's it's been kind of a long road back for them, but Oregon absolutely deserves to be back in this mix, and that will, again, bring our list of teams back to 10. We're willing to go as high as 12. We haven't felt a need um, to do that so far this year, but we're always open to that, and again, a couple of the other teams, you get a big win you'll be in the playoff discussion. So when we come back, we're going to change up the order a little bit. We are going to give you our top tens next, which we normally save for the end of the show. And that'll clear the path for us to figure out what our 12 team playoffs would like, because guess what? Like our top tens would affect how we think the 12 team playoff might work out. We'll do it next on the college football survivor show. Don't miss the College Football Survivor Show bonus episode this week. Available only on Apple Podcasts. I would say, Shahan, to me, this Clemson season has played out almost exactly how I thought it would play out, which is nobody can really make them pay. The defense is pretty good. And then the quarterback play has been significantly better than last year. They're kind of threading this needle of just good enough. Are you surprised by how this Clemson season has played out? Or do you just say to yourself, Doug nailed it? Well, the funny thing is, I also feel like this Clemson season has gone exactly like I expected. I just thought that some of this close game luck would go the other direction. I I think that a lot of this is Clemson is about as good as I thought they were going to be. I just thought that it was going to lead to losing some of these close games. And so far, they haven't lost any of these close games, and their defense is a big part of that. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for exclusive College Survivor Show bonus episodes. All right, Doug and Shahan back. Just in case, Shahan, just in case, because sometimes I listen to podcasts and people make references to things, and I'm old, and I, you know, I was looking at something like what mean, like what memes mean dot com yesterday like for boomers of like what's this meme i was trying to figure out what the meme 
meant like it's usually like the one that have you seen the meme of the astronaut up in space shooting the other astronaut I, and i was like i was i bought a shirt with that on it because it was on sale in the coffee shop for five dollars and i have no idea what it means and why would an astronaut even have a gun so i had to ask about that so i get confused very easily so if you just in case the thing that shahan and i were talking about before about driving in your car like if you don't know what that was I wrote a column critical of Kirk Ferentz for having his son be Iowa's offensive coordinator when they have a very, very, well, they're the worst offense in the country, basically. And I asked Kirk Ferentz three or four questions at the Ohio State-Iowa game uh, on Saturday, and I wrote a, a critical column, and then he he didn't really like it. And then at his, the new thing was his news conference at Tuesday, he was sort of asked about that, and he called my questioning of him an interrogation. And he said the thing that made him feel better was when he was driving home, he thought, as bad as the day was, at least he's not that guy. Like he th- I thought, at least I'm not that guy. And that's me. So the thing that <laughs> makes Kirk Ferentz happy in the world is that he's not me. So <laughs> if you didn't know what that was, that's a, that's a coach. Yeah, I'm a podcaster, writer. I mean, it's, it's tough when what makes you happy isn't that you're proud of your son, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, see now you're now you're now you're going to get me in extra trouble. Now we're going to be like in round four of this. Oh, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to be that guy's co-host either. So like it's all fine. It's just, and I said when you criticize when you criticize a player or a coach, they absolutely have every right to criticize you back. So like I'm course. not mad about it. It just no. it just like was kind of interesting to see it happen. Yeah. I, I mean, it's also just like I don't know, man. Our lives are pretty good, right? We get to we get to talk about and write about college football. Like I'm not complaining. You know, like. <laughs> It's it's a pretty ludicrous existence, frankly. It's yeah. like, what do you do exactly? How do you contribute to society? But I mean, the whole thing is, so is being a football coach, you know? But I mean, I guess the thing is, that, again, that we have in common, which would should, which should unite us, is through the sport of football, we try to bring people joy. Yeah. Which is not such a bad thing. Okay, well, let's do our top tens. To, some of us try to bring people joy. I've seen that Iowa offense. Hey, see, now I'm for real. <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> Kirk's PR team, if you're listening, that's the other guy. I'm that guy. You're the other guy. Okay. Uh, let's do our top tens. Oregon is now in this group. UCLA is out. I mean, not a lot is happening. Do you still have OSU one at the top of your thing? Yes. Sorry. I, yes. I got very confused because you said OSC one and I have an OSC on both sides of my, uh, of my thing. So I wasn't sure if you were starting at the top or at the bottom. Oh, yeah. That is very confusing. And if when Oregon State's good again, like the fact that we can be in a we could be a twelve a twelve team playoff with three of the teams being OSU is a, is a world we all look forward to. All right, we both have Ohio State one. Who do you have two? Tennessee two still. So do I. Who do you have three? Georgia. So do I. Who do you have four? I have Clemson. So I also have Clemson four, and I thought like in the end we can do a minute on this. Yeah. They put in Cade Klubnick, the backup quarterback, because DJ Uyungle isn't playing well. We actually did a decent amount of Clemson on the Apple Podcast Show. We would invite anybody who listens here. If you be an Apple Podcast subscriber, you get four bonus episodes a month for two ninety nine a month. We relooked at our bets. It was actually from the first week in July, Shahan. I double checked when we made those fake thousand dollar bets on the season, and Clemson was a big discussion point there. But in the end, I think I view beating a team like Syracuse when you had to go to your backup quarterback and you had to come back. I think I view it as more of a plus than more of a minus for Clemson when I think about them. What do you think? 
I, I, I view it as a neutral, I'd say. I, I think the fact that they do have a backup, I mean, there's a lot of teams right now in college football that do better struggling because they do not have two good quarterbacks on their roster. So I do think that from that perspective, I like the depth that they have there. But, uh, you know, look, they won. I, I mean, Clemson has a couple of impressive victories this season. They have a win over Wake Forest. They have a win over NC State. Now they have the Syracuse win. None of them are awesome. None of them are groundbreaking, but they're all good. And frankly, you know, Michigan has one game that they've played that matters and Clemson has like three. It, the conversation to be in the top three, co- having to come back to beat Syracuse doesn't help you. But in the conversation of where are you four, five, six or seven, I think coming back to beat a pretty good previously undefeated Syracuse team does help you. So we both have Clemson four. Who do you have five? I have Michigan five. As do I. Um, who do you have six? TCU six. TCU six. So this yeah. is where I went Bama. I had TCU a little bit lower. And I know you you really try what people earn it. I mean, they've earned it, right? Yeah. I mean, like and, and I don't like again, we don't have to talk about it every week, but if you're coming in, you haven't listened to it before, Shahan actually leads them. You lean more into with these rankings what you've earned. I actually lean a little bit more into I allow some of the hypothetical who would win head to head, which is what I never I never did that at all as an AP voter. When I AP voted, it was all what you earned. But you think TCU has earned six ahead of a team like Bama, for instance? Yeah, I mean, four top uh, 25 wins in a row uh, this season. They have a win over Kansas State, who I think is still very good. They're number 22 right now. They have a win over Oklahoma State, who's number nine. Uh, I value that Oklahoma State win a little more, too, because it was a a game against a relatively healthy Oklahoma State team versus Kansas State kind of lost some guys. But I mean, you have, again, how many teams on this board have a top 10 win in general, right? Like it's it's only a handful of them. And TCU also has some other nice data points as well. Alabama, I I, I get it. You know, I mean, if, if we're going to have just the straight up discussion of who would be who, like I think that you have to have a conversation then about Alabama over Clemson or Alabama over. And, and I don't want to do that. I don't I don't want to delve into that, that level of hypothetical. Right. So, um, you know. With Alabama, you're kind of looking at, oof, yeah, I, I don't even know. What, what's your signature victory? What, what, what is, not even signature victory, what is the game that you feel good about? Probably the Tennessee loss. Right, the Tennessee <laughs> that you loss hung with Tennessee on the road. probably yeah. the most impressive thing they've done. I mean, that Mississippi State game was pretty good that they just played last week. Like, I think they're, they're not a bad team. You know, they're obviously a top 10 team. But when you look at what these teams have done and what, like you said, these teams, I think, have earned at this point, I I think that TCU is just on a different level in terms of resume than what Alabama is, even though I don't disagree that Alabama is probably on a different level in terms of team. But I I think you have to put that aside at some point because some of that is just straight up based on perception. And I do think for for Alabama to come off the Tennessee loss and then come out and just smother a Mississippi State team that had been yeah. chucking it around all season, you know, because Bryce Young's going to be Bryce Young. But if you had questions about the Alabama defense, it was like, oh, OK, well, they practically shut that team right. out. They should have right. shut that team out. So I thought that was a a very impressive bounce back. And again, there's the Bama standard against itself and there's the Bama standard against everybody else. And they didn't put up 50 against Mississippi State, but they absolutely dominated them. And like, that's a good win. 
So you can yeah. have all their Bama. It's like, well, you know, they yeah. were coming. Yeah. You know, they, they had to sort of reassert themselves. So, but so I have thought you, that have did you matter con- for Bama to do that. Have you considered the fact that Alabama is scared of the state of Texas, though? They should have lost both of their games against the state of Texas, and then they would be playing the best team in the state of Texas. So, you know, how would they handle that? Wow. I think they'd be scared. Wow. I can just see. Can you do a guest story for the Dave Campbell Texas football cover? <laughs> is Bama scared of Texas? Do you guys would you want the Dave Campbell issue to sell out, be the highest selling issue? Is Bama scared of Texas? And then you get like Sark and Jimbo and Sonny Dykes and everybody lined up like with their arms folded, like looking mean. Oh, my gosh. Is Bama? I just it just depends. Do you want to make a million dollars in the state of Texas? Float it. Shah- and you're trying to start your own. <laughs> Shahan J. Haraja, Texas football, the first issue is Bama. And then you could just work your way through. And it could be like, is USC scared of Texas? Is Ohio State scared of Texas? <laughs> just every year single after time. year. Year after year. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And you just every year be like, are they scared? And be like, no, they're not scared. It's fine. <laughs> oh, they are scared. It's a very short feature story. <laughs> yeah. Right. No. Not, not oh. really. Not really. Nope. <laughs> Is Kirby, hey, Kirby, yeah, real, Shatan goes to SEC media days. Kirby, real quick, are you scared of Texas? No. <laughs> All right, got my story. All right, so you have TCU six. I had them nine. I yeah. I'm probably should have them higher. I kind of believe in what you're saying. I had Bama six. Where do you have Bama? I have them seven. Seven, okay. So then who do you have eight? I have USC eight. Okay. I have Oregon ahead of USC, but it's like a coin flip. And again, I almost USC was off last week. And I think perhaps like maybe their most impressive result of the year is the loss to Utah because their offense got going and Utah's legit and they drove at the end and had to go for two. And that was at Utah. And if they play, you know, if they rematch in the in the Pac-12 title game, I think you'd like USC's chances. And it sort of was, again, like. They woke up a little bit offensively. So I would look forward to USC, Oregon. I think it'd be a great game. So I have Oregon seven, USC eight. That means we both have USC eight. You have Oregon ninth, then I assume. Yes. And we both have Oklahoma State 10th. And again, that's the idea that like Oklahoma State lost to TCU, but might be a better team than TCU, but you earn what you earn. And I certainly, it certainly feels like if you had to bet right now, do you think we get TCU Oklahoma State again? Is that the Big 12 title game? I think Kansas State will have a real chance to get there as well. I I think TCU Oklahoma State is probably the narrow favorite, but it's by no means a majority. It's a probably a narrow plurality uh, favorite. And and actually, by the way, we will probably get that decided this week because Kansas uh, Kansas State plays Oklahoma State this week. And and they're all playing each other, and it's all going to shake out, and there's going to be another result that we don't expect. There's going to be another result where it feels like the better team loses, quote, better team, right? We know how this is – this conference is too close, which leads us now to this 12-team discussion that we will do for the rest of this podcast. And I think the one point we want to make here, Shahan, this is – I think it's it's a point that a lot of people have been making, and I think we need to talk about it here. In the four-team playoff world, for the playoff – All that matters is how good your best team is. And that is where the Big 12 and the Pac-12, the the absence of USC on the national stage, where the fact that Lincoln Riley leaves and now Oklahoma is not Oklahoma and Texas, we all know what that discussion is, like that right now, this second in this season, the Big 12 doesn't have a team like this, while the ACC has Clemson, 
the Big Ten has Ohio State and or Michigan, and we know what the SEC has. That's all that matters. In the 12-team playoff world, depth is going to matter. And for instance, that would this is a perfect year for a 12-team playoff for the Pac-12 and the Big 12, but it has been a, for the instance, the Pac-12, it's been terrible for them in the 14-team playoff world. At and it might have been terrible in the 12-team playoff world, too, because they kind of were down all around. But they're back, but they just don't have a clear top team. Is that going to be better for college football, that conference depth will become an advantage instead of a disadvantage? And when we talk about everybody beating each other up, that almost will bring you respect when you're fighting for playoff spots 7 through 11. I think so. And again, I mean, because you look at the Pac-12 this year, for example, like you said, we might be in a situation where the winner of the league has two losses. I don't think that makes them a bad team. I, I, it could make them better than Clemson. You know, it, it, we just don't know at this point. And so I, I think that the idea that if you play in a tough conference and you're not, hey, look, Alabama plays in a tough conference and they're Alabama, so they can kind of deal with it. Most teams just in all of college football, 128 teams can't deal with that. And I think that it's silly for us to almost expect that. So, you know, if you win the Big 12 or the Pac-12 and you've played a really tough schedule and you've played a lot of very good teams, I, I feel like you should be rewarded by the sports more than you are right now. And that's one of the things that I like about the auto uh, the auto bids for conference champions. I think that winning your conference should be something that matters a lot. And uh, so, so yeah, I think that it absolutely will benefit these teams in a much different way uh, and benefit these conferences that cultivate depth instead of, in a lot of ways, trying to prop up their top two teams or whatever. I mean, if you like, who's deeper? The Pac-12, the Big 12, or the Big 10? I think the Big Ten's third on that list. Right, right, right. But the Big Ten has the two best playoff candidates of those three conferences. But if you're trying to figure out like who the third best team is in the Big Ten, I think you might have four teams that you'd take in the Big 12 before you take the third best Big Ten team. I think you might have the same thing in the Pac-12, but it's top-heavy. So all we're doing, we're talking a lot about Ohio State and Michigan but in the 12-team playoff world, we're going to have the same conversations about the teams with, with better depth. Let's do this quickly before we get into our rankings. They had another meeting. I don't know. I don't know if they're just they want to eat Danish. I don't I don't know. I mean, meeting the, the food was great. Good. The food was great. They did let us have their leftovers. Oh, that's nice. So they and they do it. Is that why you live in Texas? Because you live 10 minutes from the hotel in Grapevine where they meet all the time? Or did they did you go to them or did they come to you? That they said, let's do it near Shahan's house. I will say this one is at a different hotel because this is actually they host this. Th- these are the like playoff meetings with of commissioners. They actually host this in the airport, in the Grand Hyatts, oh, in the airport. Oh, so they the airport. literally fly in. They get to their room. They come down. They do this meeting and then they go fly out like they are not really here. As opposed to the committee members who do come out of the hotel. Now, the the Gaylord is also very close to the airport. It's in Grapevine, and the airport kind of borders Grapevine, borders Irving, where I live. Let me write. Wait, let me write this down. The airport borders Grapevine. Is that right? <laughs> that, that's okay, correct. That's and so, you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, so I, I think that uh, yeah. So so they host it in the airport. I've heard that uh, that DFW and Atlanta's airports are notorious for those airport hotels being used for college football business because of this reason, because they're so central and you can just fly into them and never have to leave the airport, never have to be seen anywhere. So, uh, but yeah, so this 
event is in the actual airport itself at the Grand Hyatt. So you have to pay like airport parking rates to go cover yep. that? Yep, that I do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Do you, do you have to go through security to cover it? No. No. Do no, you? no. 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 Okay. You'll take your shoes off to cover no, it. No. 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 Okay. Keep the shoes on. So what did they say? Did they say anything? Did it matter? Does anything matter? So the the overarching thing is they didn't say a whole lot. But the one thing that they kind of pointed to as their greatest struggle right now for expanding before 2024 is the calendar. And they've said that a couple times, but they kind of got a little more specific about it. What they want you to know more than anything is they have to weigh a, a lot of things when they're putting these schedules together, because all of a sudden, you know, one thing that I don't think I fully appreciated when we decided to expand the playoff is a lot of these games are going to be going up against NFL playoff games, not just NFL games, NFL playoff games. That's a really bad situation to be in. If you are anything that's going to be on TV. And so they're trying to find workarounds for that. They're trying to work through logistics of how you can do it on college campuses when you have commencement and things like that, that also are going to bring a lot of people to campus. So it's a little more complicated than maybe even I expected whenever they were talking about it, just with the logistics of it, especially through these first two years. You know, there's been some reporting and and they kind of tacitly acknowledged it that in 2026, we might be in a situation where we're moving the calendar all the way back to where basically everybody starts in week zero to free up another week. We're not there yet. Uh, and that wouldn't happen. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody would start like the week before. Yeah. Labor Day, as opposed right. to that Saturday. Of, really? Right. So it just to, and I'm sure that people kind of just toss their FCS games onto that day or whatever. But basically, it would then free up a week later in the year so that you could maybe be in a position where you could start this a little earlier. I, I think right now, the way that they would have it is basically the quarterfinals would be New Year's week, like that week. Uh, then the semis would be kind of the week that we usually have the national title game. And then there would just be another week. The championship game would be the week after that. But it's really the games on site on campus because you have to plan around Christmas and all that, too. That's really the biggest complication I think they're dealing with right now. Have they talked about moving Christmas potentially? <laughs> uh, so, so the NFL told them that they can't, unfortunately. Oh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. It's. <laughs> I do think the NFL controls Christmas. That sounds it, right. It is interesting because I, I. So Ross Dellinger over at Sports Illustrated actually had an interesting column about this. We we cover college football. We love college football. We're college football people. It's also very funny how the NFL just dwarfs college football right like it just completely like it, it just hangs over everything they're encroaching on black friday now and people are clearly frustrated about that in the room and you know look they're they're not going to get out of college football's way by any means and so it's going to be interesting how they decide to do it we've asked questions about would they host games during the weekdays they said that they've considered it but nothing is certain at this point uh, you know so it, it's it's complicated. They're trying to figure out how to best fit into gaps around the NFL because they just know they can't compete. We're going to wind up where the entire college football playoff is going to be maction. It's going to be like Wednesday night, Alabama, USC, squeezed in between the Thursday night NFL game and the Monday night NFL game. 
please, NFL, don't do a Wednesday night game. Can we just play Bama USC and let people watch it? Okay. It's funny because the NFL has an antitrust exemption that requires them. I think the, the, the specific verbiage is they can't play a Friday game before a certain day before like 3 p.m. local time. So of course they're starting their Black Friday game like on 3 p.m. local time because they're like, we are literally going to get all the way up to where the government says we shouldn't exist. And like, we'll get as close as we can to cause issues for everybody else. It's it's interesting because again, for right now, the NFL has a free minor league system. And, and it's going to be interesting if that kind of comes into conflict at any point. Oh, that would be good. Like if the like if college football is like, we're going to not let college football players play professional football anymore. <laughs> and then so, no, that would be like because like Black Friday is fun, right? Like yeah, yeah. Nebraska or like, like Big Ten played a Black Friday game, right? Isn't the egg, egg bowls on Black Friday usually, right? No, I mean, that's, like, a, that, that's on Thanksgiving Day usually. Oh, it's on Thanksgiving. Sorry. Yeah. Um, also shopping. You also have to plan your games around shopping. So yes. it's very complicated. Yes, exactly. Although there's a lot of online shopping now, which has probably freed it up. I might ask Bill Hancock about that. How much has the advent of online shopping freed up college football? <laughs> okay, so we will – let's do our rankings. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to do. We're trying to figure out just like – to let people – this is what it would feel like, right? What would be the cool matchups? Who would get in? And also in doing this exercise, is this going to be the playoff more years than not? One of the group of five conference champs has to get in because there are six guaranteed conference champ spots. So if it's power five and the one, so there's 11 other spots. That is it just going to be this, the the group of five champ, two from the ACC, two from the big 10, two from the big 12, two from the PAC 12, three from the SEC. And that's it. And it's like, Oh, the exciting thing. It's like, all we're doing is taking like kind of all the conference championship game losers or if the division, the second best team actually didn't make the conference title game because they lost in the regular season or whatever, you're taking that second team from the conference and then the SEC is the best conference, they get three. And then I was like, oh, that's not as exciting as I thought it was because it wasn't as dramatic. Well, well, I I think that there's definitely a case that that might, that, that might be what we have. But I think that we also need to look at the fact that those teams aren't aren't stagnant right maybe ohio state and michigan just kind of move and and you know end up in a different place by the way uh one of the two teams from the pac-12 that would get in is a future big 10 team so maybe uh yeah so you know not great not great yeah but uh but i think at the same time you know look uh i'll say right now on my board there there are two teams that are in our playoff mix when you look at the 12 teams from the the big and the two from the big 12 they're TCU and Oklahoma State. These are not teams that would have been in the playoff in previous years. Last year, Baylor would have been in the playoff in previous years. Uh, you know, Iowa State would have been pretty close. They won, you know, they, they won the Fiesta Bowl a couple years ago. So it's going to rotate. Same with the SEC. Tennessee would not have been in this conversation for a long time. Now, Alabama and Georgia might be there every single year until Nick Saban causes the heat death of the universe. But I think that, uh, you know, that, that third team's going to rotate. And really, I think that's the draw for everybody else in the SEC is can we be that third team that can't actually compete with Alabama and, and Georgia most years? But maybe we still have a chance when we get to a playoff. So, you know, that, that was the draw for Oklahoma and Texas joining the league. They felt like this was open to them. At least we don't have to get past Alabama. Uh, so, so it sounds a little bland, but at the same time, you know, every year is going to be different. And 
there's going to be I, I think there are going to be years where there are multiple group of five teams that have uh, consideration as well. And, and the hard thing is we're doing this exercise in the current world that this world is never going to exist when there's actually a 12 team playoff, because when you have Oklahoma and Texas in the SEC, when you have USC and UCLA in the Big Ten, when you have Houston and UCF and BYU and Cincinnati in the Big 12, all this is going to change anyway. So for me to say this, oh, it's going to be boring. Well, actually, I mean, it might be four teams from the SEC and one from the Big 12 or three teams for the Big Ten and one from the Pac-12 because you're kind of weakening the Big 12 and the Pac-12 as you're building this playoff, or maybe you'll get more from the Big 12 because you're actually adding four very interesting teams. And you're also going to open up a bunch of group of five opportunities because if you weren't moving UCF, Houston, and Cincinnati, they might be taking that group of five spot as the champ of the American more often than not. And instead they're going to be in the Big 12, which means all of a sudden Tulane and Utah State and everybody else has a better chance. Yeah, and I think that, I think that, for better or for worse, the fact that we have a group of five spots right after BYU, UCF, and Cincinnati are leaving, and uh, and I'm forgetting something, Houston. I, I think that that's actually great, like you said, for the group of five, because this, a couple years ago, would have been an AAC team every single year. Every, every single year. Whoever wins the AAC is going to be that 12 team. Well, now... The AAC is going to have some great teams. SMU, Memphis. I, I'm curious about what UAB and North Texas can be, but the Mount West can get a team in. The Sun Belt will get teams in. You know, we'll we'll see about we'll see about your Toledo pick. Unfortunately, they lost uh, right after Why you picked you them. To, Why would you do that? Why would you do that? The quarterback got hurt. Why would you even say that? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, God bless Conference USA. Uh, that's that's what I'll say about that. But, uh, but, Coast, but you know, Coastal Carolina can Coastal Carolina make the playoff in the next ten years? Yeah, sure. If if uh, if, if uh, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on the if Jamie Chadwell stays there, sure, why not? You know, it's it's going to be interesting. App State's going to have a chance. Uh, you know, Boise's going to have a great path. I talked about when we expanded this twelve team uh, to this twelve team playoff. I think that being the head coach at SMU right now is going to be fun as hell. I, I think that that has a chance to be something that really really hits if things continue to go well. So. That's fun. I, I don't think that there's going to be just one or two teams that dominate this discussion, that dominate that one spot. And that's the biggest thing, right? Most years, it probably will be something like three from the SEC, two from every other conference and the group of five champ. But those teams are going to rotate a lot. So also, you know, it's going to be really good is for us. Because we kind of started this podcast like, hey, they're going to do a 12 team playoff. Let's start a playoff podcast. And then it was like, oh, wait, they're not. They're going to stay at four teams for like five more years. We don't even know if Doug's going to be in the business or be around in five years. And now it's like, you might oh, be the head no, coach in Iowa. Do- <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so now that so they get to 12, this show is either going to be like five hours long or we're going to have to change the structure a little bit. But like right now we do this. Hey, who's in our playoff mix? When this is 12 team playoff, like our mix is going to be like 30 teams, right? right. Because which again, I think is like, the whole point to this, right? But it's right. kind of like, I think, you know how like FanDuel and DraftKings, they all started like this, hey, play live fantasy stuff or whatever. And it really was just a way to get in your phone. So when sports betting happened around the country, you'd already have the app, right? Hey, fantasy, we just, that's what this is. We're like, hey, hey, let's talk about a 14 playoff, but we really want to be, we want to get you guys in here now. And then when the 12 team playoff starts, we're we're with you every minute. Right, you can't get rid of Shahan and Doug. They talk about the playoff year round. Let's do our rankings. Who are your four conference champs? Because as a reminder to people, and I will say, for instance, your instinct is like, oh, 
who might be the fourth team this year? What if it's one loss, Tennessee? What if it's Michigan? What a battle. And then you go, oh, well, you know what? In the 12-team playoff world, they'll just be the four and five seed, and they'll wind up playing each other. And it's like, no, they won't. Because if you're thinking about them as one-loss teams, you're thinking about them not winning the conference championship, and the top four seeds must be conference champs. So you're not going to be in a world where Tennessee or Michigan could be the four seed if they don't win their their conferences. Who are your top four seeds? Yeah, so the, the top three to me are pretty obvious. Ohio State at one. The question becomes, who do you think is going to win the SEC? I think that that team inserts in at two. I have Georgia as that team right this second. Uh, and three is Clemson. I think that those are the three teams that are most likely to win their conference at this point. Four was tough. Uh, I, I picked between... I tried to kind of look a little bit more at where we are right now. So I ended up going with TCU over Oregon as my number four. That's what I did also. I have Georgia one, Ohio State two, because yes, if you're an undefeated SEC team, I think you're going to be number one. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. But we have the same four teams. I just have one and two flipped. So that's like an interesting setup. So this is just, I don't think that's controversial. It's just, you guys can wrap your head around this. And this may, now, now the other part of this is, I don't know that this will be the four-team playoff. Because, again, this must be conference champs, and that is not what the four-team playoff is currently. So it's not the same discussion. So people understand that. All right. Who do you have five and six now in this world? At number five, I have Tennessee. And at number six, I have Michigan. My argument for that is that I think that Tennessee in this hypothetical loses to Georgia. But Georgia is, again, one of the top two seeds. And Michigan, I just don't think, has very many quality wins, especially not to the level of having an Alabama-type win if they both finish 11-1. and one. That's also what I have. So who do you have 7-8? and eight? I have Oregon at 7, and I have Alabama at 8. Okay. I have USC 7 as my Pac-12 champ coin flip. I don't even know if I actually think it, but I also have Bama 8. And I struggled with Bama – and we, let's just run through our rankings first, but like this is where the foot hits the pavement of like eight seed Bama. And, and we have to remember in, in this scenario, we're assuming that Alabama's losing to Georgia in the conference championship game. And But like this is the world that's like, yes, right. S, they, they lose to Tennessee. They still, as a one loss team, make the SEC championship game. They lose to Georgia. They still make the playoff. And the reward, we'll get to the reward in a second. Who do you have 9 and 10? I have USC 9, and I have Oklahoma State 10. We think too much alike. I don't know. Is it boring? (laughs) Who knew? Who knew? It's like, hey, let's get, he's from Texas. He's from Ohio. He's in his 20s. He's practically 50. He's gregarious and friendly. He wants to have a coach beat him up. Like, we couldn't be more different. And somehow over the course of this podcast, we wind up thinking the exact same way. I also have Oklahoma State 10, and I have USC 9. So the only difference we have here is that we have Oregon and USC flipped as the 7 and 9 seeds. Everything else is the same so far. Who do you have 11 and 12? At 11, I have Wake Forest. I also have Wake Forest. (laughs) Is this – are we just representative? This is what every single person who follows college football has right now is a 12-team playoff? I I think we're just correct. We found the right answer, and we both are thinking correctly because I assume at number 12 – We're different here. Oh, okay, okay. We're different here, yeah. Who do you got? I got Cincinnati. (laughs) I also 
Bucks on Cincinnati. Why, why I always, think, why, there's no other team right now. I thought you'd go Tulane. I thought maybe you'd go Tulane. Okay, I mean, that would I be know. fun. That would be fun. That would be fun. Like, uh, but we're going American champ there. We're going American, American champ. champ. Yeah. Right. This this year, this is not the case every year, but this year, the two best teams in the group of five are in the American. And so, again, this this won't ever happen because Cincinnati will never be in this spot. They're going to be a Big 12 member. So the bottom line is, as it stands right now, the 12-team playoff is scheduled to start in 2026. That means we still have the four-team world for three more full seasons, 2023, 24, and 25. It could start as early as 2024. We're definitely going to have a four-team playoff next year. But we might have a 12-team in 2024. And if they can't get it for 2024, but they're really jacked up, maybe they'll try for 2025, which would be the last year of the TV deal. But I think ESPN, as the current owner of the playoff, and if they have to maneuver some stuff around, I I think anybody would take whatever, whenever they can get it, because it's going to be a boatload of money, extra money. By 26, it's going to be, okay, well, this is what we thought. Anything before then is extra TV money for the networks and for everybody involved. So this is now our thing. So now let's, the most fun part of this is matchups. So we basically have the same matchups here. So we are talking about number five, Tennessee hosting number 12, Cincinnati. We are talking about number six, Michigan hosting number 11, Wake Forest. We are talking about number seven, either Oregon or USC hosting number 10, Oklahoma State. And then we are talking about number eight, Alabama hosting either number nine, USC or Oregon. These are the campus matchups. We wind up, think about this, the the way we have this, let's just say it's USC as the seven seed. It doesn't matter. It could be Oregon, Tennessee, huge stadium, Tennessee. Michigan, huge stadium, big house, Michigan, USC, Bama, as your four campus sites for this, what do you think of these first round matchups? The idea of like Wake Forest, Michigan, what a like goofy matchup, but how fun. And then Oklahoma State, whether it's USC or Oregon for Oklahoma State, and then Bama, whether it's USC or Oregon, Bama, USC, in a first round game or Bama, Oregon, what do you think of these four campus matchups? I mean, they'd be awesome, right? They'd be really, really awesome. And the thing I love so much about them, I will say, I, I wish that we got last year's Cincinnati to play against Tennessee. I think that would be a lot more fun than this year's because I don't think they can score very well. But at the same time, like, I, I think that the thing I love so much about these matchups is that it's such a contrast in styles. Michigan hasn't played a single team this season that can throw a forward pass, and then they're going to get Wake Forest in the playoff? That that would be insane. Absolutely crazy. Sam Hartman versus this Michigan defense would be ridiculous. And then, you know, similar sort of deal, right? You're going Alabama versus USC. It's going to be a really dynamic team versus a really dynamic team. It's going to be a battle of quarterbacks. I mean, Caleb Williams versus Bryce Young, just in terms of personality, would be incredible. And I and again, obviously, we we uh, we, we have those sort of flipped, even if it's against Oregon. Oh, my gosh. Do you know what that would be? Bo Nix going to play Alabama as the quarterback of Oregon after spending his whole life at Auburn. I mean, like, for real. And and he would absolutely be Alabama as the quarterback at Oregon just to rub it in the face of Auburn people. It would be, oh my gosh. But, uh, you know, but then, you know, you get either Oregon or USC playing against Oklahoma State. That would be a really fun game. Veteran quarterbacks. Uh, oh my gosh, we'd get Caleb Williams versus Spencer Sanders in your matchup. Uh, uh, a rematch of Bedlam. Oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, for this real. Is crazy. I, I, 
like all this stuff, the little intricacies of these matchups. But if you tell TV people that you could have a first round game that's Lincoln Riley versus Nick Saban <laughs> right now, they might start the 12 team playoff this year. They might have the next meeting for the committee might be like, you know what? We're just going to do it now. <laughs> like this is what they're dying for. It, but th- this is th- this is the hard thing about yeah, this. Yeah. Bama as the eight seed. Yeah. This is a little bit like the NCAA tournament where the NCAA tournament is sort of designed to make sure like the the mid majors really get a chance and you wind up with, hey, let's make sure we get in the ninth team from the Big Ten. And it's like, well, is that the point of anything? Because the ninth team from the Big Ten in the NCAA basketball tournament is good enough to make the Sweet 16. But did they really deserve the right to do that with they've had a mediocre season? Bama as an eight seed, I sort of think is is almost what is wrong with the playoff because nobody wants to play them. They didn't really have a good enough season. In, in our scenario, they've lost to Tennessee and Georgia. That's not really playoff worthy. But now, if you make Bama the eight seed, they're going to be like have the third best odds to win the whole thing. And by the way, let's move to the next round. If Bama's the eight seed, that means the one seed, your reward for your undefeated best season in the country is Bama in a quarter final. And it's also now we're no longer on campus site, so you're not at home or anything. So this is my little wrinkle that I don't know that they would do this. If I have Georgia one, Georgia Bama, like Georgia just beats Bama in the SEC title game, and now they've got a rematch in a quarterfinal. You have Ohio State Bama here, which is more interesting. It's, it, I guess, it's maybe the thing that I wouldn't like about this because it's designed for opportunity to give more teams a chance, and you're sort of given like the same old, same old a chance in a year when they kind of don't deserve it, and the result is you might backdoor a national champion chip for number eight Alabama I guess I shouldn't be mad at that but I'd say the same thing about Georgia or Ohio State or Clemson you're allowing them in a back door that they probably don't deserve to come through but I mean what are you going to do you can't have a rule that says Ohio State Alabama Clemson and Georgia can't make it if they have two losses but this is weird like this is weird Bama as an eight seed is a weird wrinkle yeah, I, I think here's the thing, though, right, is that if you're Alabama, this is a two-loss Alabama that has beaten Texas by one point and Texas A&M by four points. This is not a good Alabama team. Uh, it's not a bad Alabama team. I mean, we talked about it yesterday. I still have my uh, my active fake bet for Alabama to win the national title because I believe in the inevitability of death. Uh, I think that uh, I think that Alabama would have to go through USC in the first round, that would be a tough matchup that they could absolutely lose. In the second round, they'd have to beat Ohio State. And in the third round, they'd have to beat the winner of TCU versus Tennessee, most likely. That's that's not fun, right? Like, they'd have to beat all of those teams to have a chance to play in the national title game. That's really hard. And so it's more likely to me that Alabama gets beat by somebody who then gets to beat happy about beating Alabama than it is that Alabama would just, oh, well, actually, they've been the best team in the country the whole time. If they are a two-loss team at this point, they are not the best team in the country. And there are teams along the way that should beat them, and they're going to have enough body blows stacked up that I think they'll get beat. I, I don't think that there's going to be just this run of eight seeds that are Ohio state and Georgia and Alabama that are just going to go run through everybody else. I just don't think that's, that's reality. And listen, we got a version of this with Ohio state as a four seed in the first year when it was like, we'd never, the fourth best team in the country had never ever in the history of the college football world had a chance to win a national championship. 
And then the first year of the playoff, a traditional power who slid in as the four seed barely won it all. And was that good or bad? Well, it actually it kind of like created the energy that the playoff still exists on today. I don't know what world we'd be in if the first college football playoff for the first couple of years had kind of been like, eh, right, I don't know. But right, instead, right, right. It, it immediately added juice to it. So the idea that you would get potentially, you know, if you had Bama USC in round one in Tuscaloosa and then Bama Ohio State in round two, it's like, how did we live without this? Right. I mean, it'd be nuts. Ryan Day and Lincoln Riley are like, are you serious? This is our first playoff game is Nick Saban. But everybody would love it. And TV people, again, if you're listening, feel free to start it this year. Well, and, and I'll, I'll say this, too, right, is that I think that the opportunity to beat down Clemson, down Bama, down Ohio State in an off year is infinitely more valuable than the idea of getting beat by them in the playoff. Because if you get to beat Alabama in the playoff in any year, it doesn't matter the context. That is program change. That is game changing, right? Imagine, I, we don't have this matchup right now, but let's just say hypothetically, Wake Forest. You know, I, I mean, I don't know if they could beat Alabama, but let's just say that they did. Let's say that Wake Forest beat the worst version of Alabama in however many years, right? Who cares? That is a that is a game that they will talk about for a hundred years just for the chance to play and beat Alabama in the playoff, even though it's not the best version of Alabama. So from that perspective, I, I just think that it ends up being a net positive. And I just if Alabama goes and again and beats USC, Ohio State, Tennessee, and Georgia in consecutive games, give them the t- give them the trophy, man. Like that that is that is crazy stuff. That is crazy crazy stuff to make a run from an eight seed to the national championship. All right, I think we haven't taken a second break yet. Does that sound right? I got so excited, I think I forgot how to do the podcast. We'll do our quick break here and then come back and finish this up on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, we're back. We'll wrap it up with this. Again, it's, I just, it's fun to think about, right? And you guys can all do this. Sean and I did it in 10 minutes. You can make your own bracket. So my bracket, for instance, would be it's, it's Georgia 1, Versus Bama, probably. For Shahan, it would be Ohio State versus Bama in a quarterfinal. Either is great. I would then have Ohio State, probably USC as a quarterfinal. Shahan, that's probably Georgia, maybe Oregon, right? Which potentially is a rematch there, but that's really interesting. What would that look like the same? Clemson, Michigan, we both have potentially as a quarterfinal. Clemson as a three, Michigan as the six. Like, great. That's like a, that would be a fascinating Two traditional powers. I don't know who would win. You'd figure out once and for all who the best team was this year. And then the four seed is probably number five, Tennessee, and number four, TCU. And then again, this is one of those of like, all right, well, we gave a nod to the conference champ, but also now, by the way, you've got to play this team that didn't win its conference, but is also pretty good. Everybody gets their fair shot, and that's interesting. And then you're back to the four-team playoff, which you would have anyway, and maybe you have some upsets along the way. But I think when you think about the groups of games that you are getting as a result of this, it's not a shock. You're getting good teams in. It, again, I don't think it's a travesty that, you know, the second best team in the Big 12 isn't going to make it this year. Of course, the second best team in the Pac-12 is not going to make it. Probably three SEC teams aren't going to make it. That's not a travesty. But I don't think when you look at this, Shahan. I've always, I used to say, I used to say, I'd rather have good teams left out than bad teams let in. 
right? I'd rather make sure that, man, the four that get in, oh, they're all really good. And I'm sorry, number five, I know you're good. But sometimes I was like, I don't know, man. I don't, what if you get a crappy 11? I like this group, right? The last at large for us is number 11, Wake Forest. I don't have a problem with Wake Forest. And if, and if Wake Forest stumbles, maybe it's North Carolina. If they stumble and Illinois looks great against Ohio State or Michigan, the Big Ten Championship game, maybe it's, maybe it's them. Maybe UCLA somehow like runs the table still in the Pac-12. Maybe it's them. I feel like there's a depth. Maybe the sport is rising to the challenge, Shahan. I think we would have 12 quality football teams who would create interesting matchups if we had it this year. No, and, and I think that we get so wrapped up with the four-team playoff in the idea of the top three, that there are these exclusive individual teams that can win the national championship. And if you are not that level, if you're not as good as Ohio State or Alabama or Clemson, that you just don't matter, that you're not really playing good football. But I think when we kind of reframe what we think of good football as being like, like you said, you can't make the argument right now that Wake Forest is not playing awesome football. They're, they're really good. They're not as good as Alabama. That's not the expectation and it shouldn't be the expectation. But once you kind of reframe it as here are teams that are playing at a really high level that play quality football, that will bring good matchups that are, you know, that will provide quality wins uh, for other teams in this playoff as well. There are absolutely more than 12 teams that that have the opportunity to do that in college football. Uh, and, and, you know, we get to see some of them in the New Year six. Right. I, I think that that's what makes some of those matchups kind of fun in the system that we have now. But you know, look, I, I think that one of the things that you, that we're going to ask ourselves is, you know, do any of these teams on this list have a chance of competing with Ohio State? I think that they do. I, I think that if you catch Oregon on the right day, they could compete with Ohio State. We saw that last year. Uh, you know, USC on the right day, could they compete with Georgia? Maybe, right? So I, I think that we are in a position where we're not just going to see bad football all the time, right? Like, I, I, I just, we... Okay, we focus so much on that top one or two or three that sometimes I think that we dismiss what's happening between teams five and 30, basically. There's a lot of quality football being played, and I, I think that this will display it in a different kind of way. But, but I do think in the playoff era so far, other than Oklahoma and Clemson, there have been so few teams in the ACC, Big 12, and Pac-12 that even – deserve the conversation that it i think the fear of like okay like i kind of feel bad for the pac-12 that they've been non-existent in the playoff era but i don't know do i want to watch them in a playoff but when but they've risen to the occasion so the, the the worm has turned a little bit here and so we started off this conversation by talking about the depth of those conferences that wasn't really there before so the, if this is the world you know, I think maybe we thought if you create the 12-team world, you spread out the opportunity, you create more ways for achievement, you spread out where the recruits go because you think I can make the playoff at a lot of different places. But it feels like that's that has happened ahead of the 12-team playoff, that Oklahoma State and TCU and Kansas State and and Texas maybe getting there and Oklahoma will get it back. They're all healthy. And UCLA and USC and Oregon and Utah and Oregon State – they're all healthy, right? And when you have healthy, thriving programs, it's like, come on in, brother. 
The doors are wide open. Let's take two of you because you earned it. And that has not what the, that is not what those three conferences and also to the Big Ten to a great extent outside of Ohio State. It has not been what those conferences have been about in the playoff era. So credit to them for creating a world when we make a 12 team playoff right now, it's cool and fun. Yeah. And, and by the way, I think a huge part of this for all the negative press that it gets, I think a huge part of this is the transfer portal. It is something that I, I think it less even builds other teams, right? Like, I, I don't think you look at most of these teams that are in our discussion and say they were built through the transfer portal. I, Tennessee would be one that, that actually was a little bit, but I think more than anything else, it makes things more complicated for everyone else. Right. Like all of a sudden, Alabama's losing kids because they're not getting the playoff, the playing time that they wanted. Georgia's losing kids. Texas A&M's probably going to lose half of their dang number one recruiting class after this season because they're all having a terrible time. Right. So I think that the transfer portal actually makes things more complicated for the very top of the sport because everybody thinks they're going to come in and play right away. And when that doesn't happen, then they kind of leave. And I think that you look at everybody else, you know, you can build something at Utah where you're kind of just growing your kids, you know, where you're just recruiting well and finding guys who fit you and and building something long term. I, I think it's been a real net positive. And, you know, we even we even talked about all offseason with Alabama about how, oh, well, they're just going to fill their holes with with transfers. And they got Jermaine Burton and they got Tyler Harrell and they got Tyler Steen. None of these guys are major contributors for them. Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs is. But no, Jameer but Gibbs the other is ones. Yeah, but yeah, right. But but like a lot of these other kids are not contributing the way that people thought. They are not filling the holes. Eli Ricks wasn't even playing until really this past week, and he was supposed to be a potential All-American. Like I, I think it's more complicated for these top teams than it's been in a little while. And I think that's actually going to, in some ways, democratize the sport and create a, a league where we got a lot of quality football at every level. And I do think it'll be a little bit like the NCAA tournament, where you have the teams who are filled with NBA guys who are going to be one and done. But then you run into teams where, hey, we've had starters who have been here two or three years. We're veteran. We're at a peak. And we'll see a version of that in college football where Bama and Ohio State and Georgia are going to do their thing. But like Tennessee in the right year, right, with the right portal additions and a couple homegrown veterans, Utah, when they grow it over time, right, you can see how the top teams aren't going away, but you can build it a different way. And then your peak Right. The peak of those second tier teams can rise up to the level of the top tier teams. And now everybody's got a chance. So congratulations to the sport for for rising to the logistics. I don't know. I mean, like you you build it and they, then they'll come, man. I, I, I'm a little surprised that it happened like this already. Let's go. I don't know that anybody listening to that. You're listening if you're I mean, like not Shahan, but everybody else. We're not just two guys in a room. You're listening. I don't know that anybody was like, uh, Wake Forest, Michigan. You're like, oh, Wake Forest, Michigan. And then you definitely were like, oh, USC or Oregon going to Bama? No, I'm into that. Like, there's a lot of games you'd be into there. All right, that's it. Read Shahan J. Haraja at CBS Sports. Would love to have you subscribe to the pod. Oh, we'd love it. We'd love to have you as a Twitter follower. Every time I ask, I go on a CFB Survivor Show. We see the new people. Love having you. Love having your votes. You're a producer of the pod. You help determine some of the teams that we talk about because that's the whole point. We kick them out, we let them in, and then we talk about them. So now you're in the mix. We have this bonus Apple show. If you just listened to this one, awesome. Thank you for being here. If you'd like a little more Shahan in your life, and who wouldn't? Subscribe on Apple, $2.99 a month. You get the four bonus episodes. But for now, for Shahan J. Haraja, I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. 
the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.